share this morning. We're going to talk about from spirit to the natural. And I want to talk about how there are things in the spirit realm that are available to each and every one of us. And the way that they have access to or the way that they're manifest in the natural is by words that we speak. And what I want us to see this morning is how there can be things in our life that we look at as being dead end, that there's no hope, there's no way. But what I want us to see is that God is a way. He has the way. He has a solution. And as we put our, our confidence in Him, and as we begin to anticipate, you know, we need to have an anticipation in our life that that God's not done with us yet. That he's still got things that he wants to accomplish, that he wants to do in each of our lives. And so we need to recognize those things and we need to acknowledge those things. And so <clears throat> to begin with, what I want us to see is that the, we, we do in, in possess power because God has invested his power, his authority in each of us as born-again believers, that's been, that's been imparted into our lives. But, you know, we need to see that it comes from heaven, or we need to recognize that it's been made available to us. And I think oftentimes we don't, we don't really begin to look for or seek out God in situations in our life until we come to that point of crisis. You know, <clears throat> I found the best time to get healing is when you don't need to be healed. When you can go to the Word and, and study the Word and invest that Word into your life. The best time to get a hold of prosperity is when your needs are met. You know, it's, it's, it's tough to get a hold of prosperity when your bank account is reading in the negative. It's difficult to get a hold of healing when your body aches. But when you get a hold of it, you see it in the Word of God, when the, the attack comes, you have the tools, you have the ammunition, you have what you need to be able to overcome it. And so let's begin this morning by going to the book of Psalms, Psalm 62, and I want to read from verse 11. God has spoken once, twice I have heard this. That power belongs to God. Power belongs to God. The power belongs to Him. But you know, he's, he's invested that power. He's made that power available to each and every one of us if we will receive what he's, He wants to accomplish in each of our lives. You know, <clears throat> if, if we look at everything in the natural... If we look at everything in the natural, we're going to come to the conclusion that everything that's going on around us is controlled by demonic influence. You know, I, I, I watch the news, and by the time I'm watching the news, I'm ready to put my TV through deliverance. You know... <clears throat> We, we just had those um, killings last week again. Well, Pastor, why are people that way? Because of demons. You know, I look at the stuff that goes on around this world that we live in. And there is no other explanation other than demonic activity. Because let me tell you something, human beings in their right mind do not treat other human beings the way people treat one another. And so it's demonic influence. And so when we're, when we're trying to battle in this life, in our own strength, in our own ability, we're trying to battle the spiritual by natural means. And you know the... <clears throat> The devil's been defeated. But you and I 
in the natural are no match for him. He'll whoop us every single time. But through Jesus Christ, we've been given the power, we've been given the authority. We've been given that which is needful, that which is necessary for us to be able to overcome. No, we may not be able to control this world that we live in. But let me tell you something. You and I, we have authority to deal with and control our sphere of influence. And if we don't recognize that we do that spiritually and not naturally, we're going to encounter a lot of difficulty in life. I know people don't like to talk about demons. I don't really like to talk about demons. I don't like to talk about demonic activity. But let me tell you something. I want to be victorious in my life. And in order for me to be victorious, I need to recognize that I have a battle that I'm in. And it's a spiritual battle. And that spiritual battle, the enemy wants to bring me down. You know, temptation comes our way. Amen? Every one of us. Well, you know, you're a preacher. Yeah, that's why that much more comes against me. You know, when you see a, pe a preacher that's battling, stop condemning him. Start preaching, praying for him. Because you know what? The enemy wants nothing more than to bring us down, to bring a preacher down, because what happens? Puts a bad reflection upon God. That's what the enemy wants to do. When we see a brother or a sister that's struggling, rather than condemn, we ought to pray, we ought to intercede. Why? Because they're in the midst of a battle. And the only thing that we can do in the midst of that battle is hold them up, pray for them. In Deuteronomy 20, verse 1, it says, When you go out to battle against your enemy, you know, a lot of times... Again, we, we look at the circumstances around us and we feel, we feel hopeless. We, we look around and we see the enemy is so broad, the, the enemy is so great, the enemy is so mighty. And you know, we, we have examples in the, in the scriptures where we see in the natural where they're going out into battle. And the enemy is so much greater than what they are in the natural sense. And that's what it's talking about here in Deuteronomy 20, verse 1. It says, when you go out to battle against your enemies and see horses and chariots and people more numerous than you, do not be afraid of them. For the Lord your God is with you, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When you look around and you see the enemy, realize the Lord is with you. And, and here, because he's talking to him in Deuteronomy, he's talking about how they came out of Egypt. And, and, and in the natural sense, they should have never been able to escape from Egypt. But it was the mighty power of God that was in operation. That delivered them from Egypt, that eventually brought them into the promised land. If, you had, if they had just simply looked at the, the, the horses and the chariots, in fact, they did that. If you remember, they were by the sea and they, they saw Pharaoh and his army coming. And the children of Israel, they did what all of us would do. They began to cry out and they said, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? There's no hope. There's no way. We can't do it. And what did Moses do? He took his staff and stuck it out, parted the sea, they crossed over. And the most powerful army on the face of the earth at that time, God defeated by one sweep of his rod. The waters came back and Pharaoh and his entire army was destroyed. Horses, chariots. See, that's how big our God is. But you know what? There was, a, there was a natural result of that. But guess what? Moses did not part the sea in a natural way. It was supernatural. It was God. And we are a supernatural people. Don't get so caught up in the spectacular 
that you miss the supernatural. I like the spectacular. I like to see wonderful miracles and so forth happening. But you and I, we are supernatural people because we serve a supernatural God. And when you encounter what appears to be the impossible, if we just simply try to approach it naturally as every other man, woman, and child would, we're no different than them. But we're different. We're peculiar. Peculiar doesn't mean weird. Peculiar means different. We're different than the world. The main reason that we're different from the world is that we don't have to simply operate under the laws and the principles of this natural world. Because we serve a supernatural God. And he wants to operate in our lives in a supernatural way. We have another example. If you got your Bibles, go ahead and turn them over to 2 Kings. It'll be up on the overhead, but I guess I'm still old school. I like to see it on these pages. But in 2 Kings, the sixth chapter, we have a Another example, and here's this servant and uh, with his master, and he goes out in the morning, I don't know what he's doing, getting water or starting a fire, who knows. Anyway, he goes out and he comes back in and he basically says, what are we going to do, what are we going to do, what are we going to do? He says, the enemy, they've encircled us. There's no hope. There's no way we're, we're defeated. You know, we encounter that. It may not be soldiers wearing armor and riding horses. It may not be chariots. There's an enemy that comes against us and, and we begin to look at it and it becomes totally overwhelming. And we think, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? You know, uh, the 11th season of Heartland has finally come out. And so we're watching it on Netflix. If, you, if you've missed it, you've missed it. <laughs> and uh, Tim... One of the guys, he, he got diagnosed with, there was a, there's a, he had an MRI, and there was a shadow. And so, he's, he's in total fear now. Because he, he, he doesn't know what to do. You know, do I tell people? Do I not tell people? Because there's this shadow. But you know, he's in the condition that the majority of the world is in. Because he's full of fear. He doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know where to turn. He's hopeless. And that's where we are without Jesus Christ in our life. We are hopeless. And when we try to battle our battles in our own strength, it's hopeless because we have, we have nothing to turn to. But when we begin to recognize that we have authority in the name of Jesus, that we've been given power through the Word of God, that we can receive the encouragement and strength through the anointing of the Holy Spirit, that we have the promise of the Father that through Him nothing shall be impossible for us, there isn't anything that tries to confront us in this life that we can't overcome because the greater one lives within us. But most of us, or most of the world, is like this servant. He looks around, he sees the circumstances, and he says, there's no way. We're defeated. 
Now that's why church is important. Because finally he goes to the prophet and the prophet says there's more with us than there are against us. And so the servant looks outside. One, two, three, four, five, and five hundred, ten thousand, one, <laughs> two. And there's more with us than against us. Because we're approaching it naturally. We're not looking into the spirit realm. Let, let's, let's look at this. It's in 2 Kings, the 6th chapter, the 15th verse, where we're going to begin. And when the servant of the man of God rose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, <laughs> what shall we do? And he answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elijah prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elijah. They were full of horses and chariots of fire. In other words, they weren't physical horses and chariots. They were supernatural. They were sent from heaven. So when the Syrians came down to him, Elijah prayed to the Lord and said, Strike this people, I pray, with blindness. And he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elijah. God intervened. You know, in our most impossible situations, God is there. Now, now the thing I want you to see, you know, I've shared this with you before. You know, when I... When I got a hold of the Word of Faith message, I thought that that meant I would never have any problems anymore. That they'd all go away and, uh, you know, we'd just flow through life, no problems. Well, I thought, liar, liar, pants on fire. You know, why, why is it these problems are coming my way? Because the Word of Faith doesn't say that you're not going to ever have any problems anymore, but you're going to have the tools to deal with any problem that ever comes your way. I don't care what it is. You've got the tools. You've got the ammunition. You've got the Word of God. You've got the name of Jesus. You've got the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You've got everything that you need. You've got angels from heaven that are signed to you. I've not seen them. Sometimes I wish my eyes would be open so that I could see them. But you know, I've been told that, you know, Brother Hagen always referred to that as discerning of spirits. And when you have discerning of spirits, you see into the, into the evil world and the, spirit, and, and the um, heavenly world. You see angels and you see demons. I've seen a few demons. But I don't know my, why my eyeballs haven't been open to see the angels yet. But you know, I've had people tell me they've seen the angels behind me. Supposedly he's a big dude. Glad you're here, brother. <laughs> Amen. I like big angels. Big dudes that are going to protect me from whatever would come my way. They'll give me the words to speak that are going to minister life to each and every individual. That you might hear what you need to hear. And I believe that your angel is there to assist you. Because you know what? We were never called or created to handle all of this by ourselves. And God knows that. And that's why we need one another. That's why we need the church. But that's why we also need the supernatural in our life so that we can overcome the difficulty that would come our way. 
You know, <clears throat> maybe our spiritual eyes aren't open so that we're able to see the angels round about us. That we may not be able to see what the true adversary is in our life because it's not, it's not that person. It's the, it's the demonic influence that's behind that. But you know what? We know some things. Because we know the Word of God. Because we know the Word of God, we can rise up above whatever the circumstance is that's coming our way. And we can go through it victoriously. Notice, we go through it victoriously. And that was the lesson that I learned. That was the lesson we see in this. It wasn't that the enemy was just strictly kept away from them. The enemy was there. The enemy attacked. But when they attacked, God intervened. When the enemy attacks you, God will intervene on your behalf. And that's why it's so important that we recognize that we're in a spiritual battle. Notice, before anything took place, the prophet knew. And the prophet spoke it out of his mouth. And the prophet said, there's more with us than against us. Let me tell you something. You can take that word of the prophet for you today. And you can declare, no matter what it is that's coming against you, there's more with me than against me. And even though the enemy may want to destroy my life, even though he may want to take me down, he's not going to do it. Because God's with me. He's on my side. You get that? My side. He's on my side. There's more with us than there are against us. In Isaiah, the 46th chapter, verse 9, it says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, things that are not, uh, that are not yet done. Saying, my counsel shall stand. And I will do all my pleasure. Calling a bird of prey from the east. The man who executes my counsel from a far country. Indeed, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. And it shall be done. You know what the word of God is? God's plan. He's purposed it. He's declared it to be so. He says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning. Hmm. Declaring the end from the beginning. Wouldn't you have to declare it from the beginning to the end? He declares the end from the beginning. Your end is already determined. In the beginning, I may not look like it. But I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. In the beginning, I may look, not look like it. But in my life, all things, old things have passed away. And all things have become new. In the beginning, it may not look like I'm whole. But in the end... By the stripes of Jesus, I have been healed. You understand what I'm saying? 
What are we declaring? We're declaring the end. We're declaring the plan. We're declaring the purpose, the will of God in our lives. And that's when we, we talk about confession, what we declare, what we confess. That's what we're doing. We're declaring the end from the beginning. We're saying, this may be how it is now. But this is how it ends because this is the plan, the will, the purpose of God in my life. And so I'm not going to speak the beginning. I'm not going to speak hopelessness. I'm not going to speak fear. I'm not going to speak lack. I'm going to speak the end. By his stripes I've been healed. God's not given me the spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Why? Because the greater one lives in me. That's declaring the end from the beginning. You may be a brand new Christian or fairly new. But what do you need to do? You need to start to declare the end from the beginning. You begin to speak out what the word of God says to you concerning you. That's what he's saying here. When it looks like defeat is on the horizon, what do we do? We speak out victory. That's what the man of God said. If you looked at it in the natural, they, they, were, they, were, they were done for. There's absolutely no hope for them in the natural. And so what did he declare? He declared the end from the beginning. There's more with us than against them. In Romans 4.17, we're all familiar with this. It says, as it is written, speaking concerning Abraham, I've made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him whom he believed, God who gives life to the dead and cause those things which do not exist as though they did. Calling those things that do not exist as though they, be, they did. King James says, calling those things that be not as though they be. I like that. Calling those things that be not as though they be. So what, is that? what does that mean concerning healing? You know, what be you? You be you sick. So what do you declare? You declare that which be not as though it be. And so I declare that by the stripes of Jesus I've been healed. You know, whether it be poverty, no matter what it may be, we declare what the Word of God says concerning us. Not when we see it finally. Well, pastor, that isn't that lion. Well, in the natural it would be, but you're not dealing in the natural realm. You're dealing in the spiritual realm. And why do you deal in the spiritual realm? Because you're a spiritual being. And it's the spiritual that's to take um, prominence, precedence over the, over the natural. Amen. And so you are a spiritual being. We are spiritual beings and we're in the midst of a spiritual battle. I don't, I don't know about you. I get, I get tired of seeing people get kicked around. I'm, I'm tired of it. I'm fed up with it. And so it's time for us to rise up and say, mm -hmm, no, not going to put up with it anymore. We have authority in the name of Jesus. And so we're going to use that authority that we have in the name of Jesus. And we're going to use it for the purpose for which it was given. And that's to bring victory in the lives of individuals, self-included. But not just simply for me, but for all of us. And it begins by beginning to call those things that be not as though they be. Beginning to declare what God has done in each of our lives. In 2 Corinthians 4.13 it says, And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we speak. I believe, 
therefore I spoke. If we can't speak it, it's because we don't believe it. You see, there's, there, there's, this, there's this process that's involved. I know when we first heard the word of faith, the, the confession message, we would speak it, we would speak it, and some of it I didn't believe yet. But the interesting thing is the more that I spoke it, the more that I believed it. And once you believe something, you begin to act upon it. Amen! But you know what? You'll never get to the acting until you begin the speaking. Because the speaking begins to reveal what's really in our heart, what we really believe about something. And when we believe it, you know, <clears throat> I found something out about faith. James says faith without corresponding action is dead. I found something out about faith. Faith demands an action. If I really believe something, it demands an action on my part. That morning in the basement of Vern Lewis's house when he shared the gospel with me and I heard the scripture and I came to the realization that I had never been born again. I'd never received Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And I saw in scripture that if I believed in my heart and confessed with my mouth that Jesus was Lord, that I would be saved, it demanded an action on my part. They didn't have to beg me to pray. I wanted to pray. Because I believed that if I would confess with my mouth Jesus as Lord, I would be saved. And you know what? The devil has tried. But I've not doubted it since. Because I know something. I know that the word of God is true. So anytime the devil comes along and he wants to say, oh, you know, there's really nothing to this. You're not really saved. I just say, well, Listen, dude, you remember that morning in the basement of Vern Lewis's house, sitting in front of the fireplace, myself and two other guys, and I prayed and received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You all remember that? I have authority over you now. So get out of my face. Amen. You know, that moment that you are born again ought to be something that you reveal, review over and over and over and over and over in your life because every time you review that, every time you go over that, every time you confess it with your mouth, it reinforces what Jesus has done in your life. You think I share that story for you? No, I don't. I know you've heard it. You could care less. I do it for me. I'm the one that needs to hear that. I know you don't need to hear it again. But I do. And you know what? You need to hear your story. You need to speak out your story. You need to declare what Jesus has done for you. You need to begin to speak the beginning or the end from the beginning. You need to begin to focus on the eternal home that you have in Jesus and the victory that you have all along the way as you approach that time because of what Jesus has done in your life. Yes. You need it. I need it. We need it. And so we begin to speak it. And the more we speak it, the more we've got to do it. And the reason that we've got to do it is because we believe it so strongly. You know, I don't know if you, you, you read the testimony of the young guy from Moral Roberts University about, a, I think it's a couple of years ago now, but he heard about this, this tribe that had never been reached and they were... Um, uh, So backwards, they were killers, murderers, headhunters. I don't know what they were. But anyway, everybody told him, don't go, don't go, don't go. And he says, how can I believe what I believe? And I'd give them an opportunity to hear. And so he went to this island, had the guy boat him there, dropped him off. And while the guy is going away, he sees the tribe come out and they, they murder him. 
And everybody says, oh, that was so stupid. That was so ignorant. That was... See, he believed with all of his heart, with all of his soul, with all of his strength, that there was a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. And he knew that he had the promise of heaven in his life. And how could he know that eternal promise of salvation and live knowing that there was an entire tribe that had not heard? Did they hear? I don't know. But he knew. You see, how convinced are we of things? We're so fearful of persecution. I might go uptown and somebody might say something about me. Hurt my feelings. You know, that's about as rough of persecution as we get in Jefferson, Iowa. You know, we're, as a church, we're so persecuted. You know, we're, we're that church. I still might do it sometime. I wanted to do an article in the paper and entitle it That Church. <laughs> you know, because that's usins, That Church. And, you know, you, if you've been around for more than a week, you've probably heard a story or something about us. Well, maybe it's longer than that now. Sometimes I feel like I'm failing because I don't feel like they're talking about us like they once did. <laughs> well, Pastor, you want them talking? I want them talking about something. Even if they're talking negatively, at least they're paying attention. We need people to pay attention. Our life is to be a, a living testimony to the glory of God. You know, I remember the Saturday morning I come out and our, we still had our old wooden sign out front and there was this satanic thing painted on it. And, and I went out there and I was going to sand it off because I thought it was paint. And I get out there and it doesn't seem like paint. So I got soap and water and washed it off. It was blood. And, uh, you know, pastor, that should make you mad. And I thought, no, at least it made them mad. We ought to make the devil mad. When you wake up in the morning, the devil ought to be saying, oh my God, they're awake. <laughs> Usually he's saying, oh God, they're awake. No. We have a mission here on the earth. That's to win this world. And since we have the same spirit of faith, notice we don't have a different spirit of faith. We have the same spirit of faith. According to what is written, I believe, and therefore I spoke. We also believe, and therefore we speak. We speak to the circumstances. We speak to sickness. We speak to lack. We speak to fear. We speak to that thing, whatever it is, that's trying to keep somebody from reaching their full, full potential. We speak to it in the name of Jesus. And we say, you have no right, you have no authority here in Jesus' name. Because the one that's in us is greater in Hebrews 1.13 it says, But to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister to those who will inherit salvation? Well, let's just let the angels do it. That authority hasn't been given to them. It's been given to you and me. They're there to assist us. But you know what? They can't move until we speak. And so we need to stir up that boldness within you, within us. You know, Paul said concerning Timothy, he said, stir up that gift that's within you. 
up that gift that's within you. What's the gift that's within each and every one of us? It's the gift of the Holy Spirit. We need to stir it up. When's the last time you've taken some time to just be alone by yourself and pray in the Holy Ghost? Stirring up the gift that's within you so that when the enemy attacks, we're prepared. And you know, it's an interesting thing according to the scriptures. When we, when we speak, we loose those angels to do the work that God's called them to do for us. In Psalms 103, verses 20 and 21, I'm going to read this out of the Amplified. It says, Bless God, all you angels that excel in strength. Obey his commands and hearken to the voice of his word. Affectionately... Um, Gratefully praise him. Hearken to the voice of his word. Do you voice his word? You know, it's, it's not about opinion or about what I think. It's about voicing his word. And when we, we voice his word, we activate. We give his angels permission to assist us. And you know, so often we're struggling because we're trying to do it in our own strength and, you know, we're, we're trying to do it in the natural and, and because we're doing it in the natural, it, it, it's our strength, it's not God's strength flowing through us and it's not getting the assistance of those that have been assigned to us to help us through every difficulty that encounters, that we encounter in life. Psalms 37, verse or excuse me, 35, verse 27 and 28, it says, Let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause. And let them say continuously, Let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure, who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. And my tongue shall speak of your righteousness and your praise all the day long. Who takes pleasure in the prosperity. God takes pleasure in your prosperity. And prosperity in, 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 in the biblical sense isn't just talking about money. It's talking about every aspect, every part of our life. God takes pleasure when you prosper financially. God takes pleasure when you prosper physically. God takes pleasure when you prosper emotionally and relationally. God takes pleasure in that. Why? Because that's his plan, his purpose for each and every one of us. In Joel 1.11 it says, The Lord gives voice before his enemy, for his camp is very great. For strong is the one who exalts his word. For the day of the Lord is great and, very, and a very... Uh, and is, is very terrible. Who, are, who can endure it? We can endure it. We are his people. And we need to exalt, lift up, declare his word. He has a supernatural army that's available to fight our battles, to assist us on the way. You know, it's interesting, going back to the prophet once again. You know, because the people were blinded. But you know what? He led them then into captivity if you read the rest of the story. He still uses us. It isn't that we just speak out the word and forget about it. No, we speak out the word and then we do what he's called us to do. And it leads to the victory that's for each of us. 
Psalms 107, 1 and 2, it says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Do you know that? I mean, do you know, do you know that? That God is good? I mean, you listen to a, a lot of Christians, and you'd think God was bad. You'd think God was evil. They, they exalt the negativity all the time rather than exalting God. Oh, give thanks. That's, that's probably the biggest lack in our life. So we don't give Him thanks. We join in with the world and we complain about everything rather than giving Him thanks. Oh, give thanks for the Lord, to the Lord, for His good, for His mercies endure forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. When the attack comes your way, I'm redeemed from that. Because you're redeemed from the enemy. Anything he wants to bring your way. When sickness comes your way, I'm redeemed from that. When lack comes your way, I'm redeemed from that. When worry comes your way, I'm redeemed from that. Why? Because Jesus bore it for each and every one of us so that we wouldn't have to. But notice it has to be, it needs to be voiced. It needs to be verbalized. It needs to be said. Oh, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Do we have any of the redeemed of the Lord here today? Then say so. One. Give you another chance. Do we have any of the redeemed of the Lord here today? Then say so. I'm redeemed. Amen. Pastor, you're wacko. <laughs> yeah, but I'm redeemed. Yeah. And it's time to say so. Yes. We are the redeemed of the Lord. And we declare it. Yes. Well, one of my favorite psalms is Psalm 9 to 1. And we're going to read a few verses out of it. Beginning in verse 1. I'm going to read it out of the Amplified. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall remain stable and fixed upon the shadow, under the shadow of the Almighty, whose power no foe can withstand. I mean, that is a mouthful right there. I mean, if we'd just get a hold of that, we would, we would experience victory like we've never experienced victory before in our lives. In fact, it's so good, I'm going to read it again. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall remain stable and fixed under the shadow of the Almighty, whose power no foe can withstand. Verse 2. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In him I lean and rely, and in him I confidently trust. Verse 8. Only a spectator shall you be. yourself accessible in the secret place of the Most High. As you witness the reward of the wicked, because you have made the Lord your refuge, and the Most High your dwelling place. You see, we're not just supposed to once in a while have a visit with God. We're to make Him our abode. We're to, we're to live in Him. We're to reside in Him. It's to be a continuous thing. Because you have made the Lord your refuge and the Most High your dwelling place, 
There shall no evil befall you, nor any plague or calamity come near your tent. For he will give his angels special charge over you to accompany and defend and preserve you in all your ways of obedience and service. They shall bear you up on their hands. They shall, uh, lest you dart, dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the adder, the adder, the young lion and the serpent shall you trample underfoot. It's not talking about snakes. It's talking about that serpent in the garden who comes into our life to lie, to deceive, to, de to, to convince us that God isn't big enough. But he is big enough. He's mighty enough. And he says that that evil one is under our feet. Stop looking up to try to find the devil. He's under you. He's a defeated foe and recognize him as such. Because he has set his love upon me. Why? Because he set his love upon me. Therefore, uh, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he knows and understands my name has a personal knowledge of my mercy, love, and kindness. Trusts and relies on me, knowing I will never forsake him. No, never. Listen to this. God will never. Did you hear that? God will never forsake you. Never, no, not ever, will God forsake you. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Notice he says, I'll be with them in trouble. So obviously trouble may come our way. But we'll never be in the midst of it by ourselves. Because we have the deliverer. And he will never forsake us. With long life he will satisfy us. We're not supposed to just get through life. He wants to satisfy us with good life. And as we look upon him, as we look to him, his promise is, I'll satisfy you with good life. So the ultimate end is, there's no greater place to be than in the shadow of the Almighty. Because in the shadow of the Almighty, there's protection. On Friday evening, I was planting some plants. And uh, I don't know if you realize it or not, but it was really hot and really humid. And... <clears throat> I'm realizing that that's really hard on fat old guys. And so I'm planting these, these trees and putting out some mulch and stuff. And, and I, I, I'm not a hat person, but I, but I had on a hat because there's a certain part of my body that if I don't wear a hat, it, it has a tendency to get burnt. So I was wearing my hat and, and I'm sweating a little bit, you know. For me to sweat means I'm still breathing. And so I'm sweating and I realized something. 
the hat that I was wearing, the bill was so wet it was acting as a wick. So all the sweat was coming off my head and it was going through the bill of my hat and it was dripping. Now the only good thing about that is it didn't hit my glasses. But here I am out there and there's, it's like it's raining. There's stuff dripping off my hat. But I, but I realized something. If I wanted to get out of the heat, I'd have moved from where I was located and move into the sun, into the shade. The shade of the tree. The place of protection is in the shadow of the Almighty. And it's just like that tree. I don't get any shade from it unless I get into its shadow. If you're not getting any protection, you're in the wrong place. That means you're not paying attention. That means you're not speaking out the word. You're not putting it in the proper place so that you're in him. Because in him, you're in the shadow. And in the shadow, that's where you find your protection from whatever it is that would try to come against you. And so we need to make a decision. I'm going to get in the shadow of the Almighty. I'm going to declare his word and who I am in him. Because when I declare who I am in Christ Jesus, I'm locating myself in that shadow under his protection. And he promised that when I move to that location, he's not going to leave me. He's not going to forsake me. He's not going to let me down. No matter what the attack is that comes my way because I'm still in this world. So the attacks are going to come. But I'm victorious because of Christ Jesus. I don't have to be like some made up story on TV and live my life walking around in fear and wondering what the next step is because I know what the next step is. The next step is Jesus. Now there may be other steps along the way that he leads me in, but it begins by getting in the shadow, being in his protection, and having the confidence, having the assurance that he's never going to let me down. Hallelujah. We've got to quit because we have communion. So we're going to use that to seal this word this morning. The ushers and elders will come forward. Miranda. We're going to look to him. Because Jesus, when he instituted Holy Communion, he said, do this in remembrance of me. And so we're to be reminded of Jesus and of what he has done for each and every one of us. But Father, we thank you this morning that we can gather in the marvelous name of Jesus, the name above every name. That through that name we have victory. That you've provided us with these reminders of what Jesus truly accomplished for each and every one of us. So, Father, this morning we declare that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because of what he did for each and every one of us. We are the redeemed of the Lord, and we declare it to be so. And we know that we are in a spiritual battle. But, Father, we also recognize that we are victorious because of the completed works of Jesus. So we want you to have your way, your will, accomplished in each of our lives. So, Father, by your precious Holy Spirit, lead us, guide us, direct us into truth that we might walk in the fullness of that truth. And we'll give you all the praise. So as you go, go in his peace, go in his strength, go in his love. 
go in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in the magnificent name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Give somebody a hug and let them know you love them.